You've tuned into the Are You Screening podcast, originally live and an effort to bring you instant reactions to films. We try to stick to that theory and bring you unedited, unfiltered, and largely off-the-cuff opinions of movies, along with interviews, industry news, and hopefully a lot more. Thanks for listening, and let's get right to this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Are You Screening podcast. I am your host, areyouscreening.com's own Mark Eastman, and with me, as always, is co-host extraordinaire Shane Leonard. Hello. And uh, this week, we are kind of catching up a bit. Um, We got uh, See How They Run, which we should have got to over a week ago by this point somewhere, Uh, except that uh, COVID finally... uh, reached out into the ether and <laughs> caught up with us. Um, so we're going to be doing that one. We've also got uh, Don't Worry Darling and uh, Blonde, which right. just hit on God, uh, Netflix? Netflix. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, well, not long ago. Right. Um, it was it, within the last pretty, week. Pretty current. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and Blonde is uh, getting all sorts of attention in every different way, in, yeah. In, in I mean, the things that come up with movies sometimes, but uh, and not that it doesn't deserve a lot of it, or or whether it does or not, but it's just uh, everyone is crawling out of the woodwork to have their yeah comments on it, including like uh, you know pro-abortion groups, uh, right? And certain scenes that are in the film and the whole. Nine yards. Um, but before we get to that, uh, we should uh, run into see how they run. And uh, since we kind of have to cover a few movies this week to catch up, I don't think we're going to really be doing any uh, babbling about other stuff that we usually do. Plus, on uh, TV. Uh, on TV, there's you know there's a lot of stuff coming out on TV. Yeah, but also it's still like the the big things are still kind of the big things. It's right. like. You know the the dragons, <laughs> the elves. Oh yeah, right. It's all yeah, right. Whatever. The hatred, the- there are uh, you know new shows are hitting, especially it's uh, theoretically that time of year. Although fall TV sort of only makes so much sense anymore, and right. doesn't hardly have the impact that it used to or anything. But there are a few new shows, and we will probably touch on a lot of them next week or something. But yeah. uh, for right now, we'll just get to the movies, except you're pointing at me. No, I mean, this is dumb. It's not like I can't talk to you off air. Like, I was just going to say, <laughs> how many episodes of The Therapist have you seen, and is it still good? Because that's, oh, yeah. that, that's the one that I'm like sort of... So I have I have still like I'm only dying seen... To get to it, I'm, I'm so like backlogged in TV yeah, oh, right bet. now um, that I have still only seen the same amount of that show as oh, I did before. I've seen like three. Th- oh, I was going to say two uh, or three, right? I like think, there's not I, many. Yeah, okay. I think I've seen like three. Okay. And, uh, and you know, it was a really, really solid show and it's really fun for me, but uh, I still don't know exactly how well I can recommend it to other people, right? Right. right. It's yeah um, I, because it's like it's very me oriented, right, you know. It's right. just like these two guys locked in a room. It's, it's cerebral, like, you know. Kind of, yeah. Uh, recommend my dinner to Aunt, with Andre to somebody, right? It's like just these two guys talking, <laughs> yeah. and it's screwy, and it's uh, yeah, you know, Domhnall Gleeson being a right serial killer and. You know, you get through the first couple episodes, and uh, and it's weird with the back and forth of what he does and yeah. what he doesn't do, and then we, you know, see little snippets. But really, you're just Steve Carroll chained in this room, and right. it's like all this stuff. And I mean, pretty soon you're like, I mean, it, is this guy actually a killer? Or <laughs> right. you know, I mean, it's like every different weird right. thing going on. Uh, but it's but it's pretty cool. It's good, and I will throw out real quick, just because I know it's totally not getting much attention. Um, is this show? I want to say it's on Hulu, but they're all like melding together yeah. in my mind right now. But it's called Reboot. Yeah, that Hulu's, is a really cool show. Is that good? It is okay. weird, and I it love is, the premise. It is also very hard to recommend yeah. to people because, uh, and I. I I just put a review of this uh, up recently on the website. Um, But the thing is, it is such a weird show because it is very much 
not trying to be for people, right? It's Good. like, uh, okay. that's how it could work. It's, it's the, you know, behind the scenes look at rebooting an old show, right? Right. And the old show, and it's got Keegan Michael Key, it's got uh, Judy Greer, uh, Paul Reiser is in it, yeah. and and uh, Johnny Knoxville, right? Yeah, yeah which this is, is weird, eclectic. But it, it it's a show that where the the you know mythical show that it's rebooting right. was from like twenty years ago. It's the kind of really hokey goofball show that you know Full House is like representative of the kind of you know bonkers yeah right family friendly whatever right yeah um so it's all it's it's this cornball show and this young hot new writer wants to reboot it but wants to change it right right mix it up update it make it like serious yeah uh, Keegan Michael Key's character loves that, right? Right. But then Paul Reiser is the original creator of the show, and he still owns it. So he comes back and he wants to go, great, let's reboot it. And it'll right. just be the same and his right. theory of comedy. But anyway, so, but like the show of looking behind the scenes at all this, yeah, is it's just, it's so, uh, it just wants to make fun of everything right in the world Good. right yeah, so right. it's got yeah. no ends <laughs> right it's only got uh do you also want to make fun of all the things we want to make fun of right but, but there's there's nothing likable happening right, right? like paul right. riser is yeah <laughs> insanely unlikable <laughs> that's funny because he's such a oh it's awful anyway um but it but that it's cool though it's uh it's funny there's this one part where uh, Keegan Michael Key is reading the script that the new girl writes that wants to make it all right. edgy ish, yeah. kind of, or whatever. And uh, he's talking about reading the script that she wants to do and says, you know, it's like the funniest thing I've ever read in my life. Like, you'll never laugh out loud. It's right. not that kind of funny, right? right? But right. it's hilarious, right? Yeah. And it's like that whole thing is just he's talking about this show. Really, right? Right. Right. It's uh, cool. It's taking all these people and putting them in these awkward, like totally cringeworthy moments, and then they have to respond. And and it's hilarious, but it's nothing is funny, right? Or whatever, you know? Yeah. Anyway, but it's uh, how many of that have you seen? Really fun show. How many episodes? Oh, like three. Okay. That's good. That's good enough to get a sense of it. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's um, and you know, like the first episode is actually really good. The first episode is really well done. It yeah. like brings you into the whole thing, sets everything up without just dragging along, right. you know, and yeah. gets into it. It's pretty cool. And it's uh, Rachel Bloom is the young writer from uh, My Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Yep. You know? Yep. So That's uh, cool. so it's pretty cool. Okay. Anyway, uh, right. so we got to do uh, see how they run. So. Um, very odd movie, and it was funny because just before we turned the mics on, I, I was like, oh, we still have to do that. I don't even remember that movie. So <laughs> yeah. uh, so there's your, like you said. There's there, your primer. Here there, we go. There, there's your review right there. I Memorable. don't really remember it. But, yeah. uh, and and this was a movie, um, so it's like, it, it, it it's like sort of like period-ish, yeah. and it's. Um, 50s, yeah. It's a Sam Rockwell. It's like a whole Saoirse Ronan mur- uh, murder investigation thing where um, there is this very popular play right. that uh, we want to make into a movie, and then someone gets killed, uh, <laughs> like basically at the theater, involved in the whole production. So now everyone in the production's a suspect. And, uh, you know, whatever. The cops are chasing their tails, right, trying yeah. to figure out what's going on. And and uh, and then we've got the whole, yeah, Saoirse Ronan is like the new cop. Right. She's like the young new cop that uh, Sam Rockwell 
doesn't want anything like, to do with. Right. And is forced to tag along with. Right. And, and he, you know, he's more interested in going to the pub and napping in his car. <laughs> right. Whatever. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's kind of like this, a throwback in a lot of ways. Uh, but at the same time, it's like making a throwback movie, you know, but like Wes Anderson's doing right, it or right, something. Right. Right? It's like this. Uh, and it has that feel too with like you're saying, Rockwell, Saoirse Ronan, yeah, Adrian Brody's it does. in this. It's, it's got, got like, it's a, got that. It's got a very like theater. Wes Anderson yeah. look to it even. And yeah. it's got some of the same people you might expect to see and whatever. Um, and you know, the thing with this movie is that uh, there's two things in this movie that are really kind of dragging me down. Okay. And, uh, I, like, I really love the theory of it, right? Um, in the end, I, I only gave it a seven. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it was a good time. Right. Right. And uh, I think it, everyone, I think, was doing a great job. I think uh, all, the, all the actors involved were doing good. It looked really cool. It was a lot of fun, especially in certain parts. Um. But it never could. I, I wanted it to be better. Yeah. Like so much of the time that I was watching it, I wanted it to be better. And the things that really drag me down about this, uh, that really stand out as the big things anyway, are uh, there was way too much of the movie where I was kind of bored. Yeah. Because it just wanted to do things for a long time like it was so happy <laughs> about certain things that it was doing right right and it was going this scene is like so fun for me that we'll do it for three minutes or whatever right <laughs> yeah. and it was and, and and you're like come on and sometimes that was was okay actually there right. were there were some of them where i might think you know you could take 30 seconds off of that but I would go, well, yeah, but no, it's fine, right? right? right. But then there were other times where no. And uh, and the other thing that really uh, pulled me away from this movie was that it just couldn't decide exactly what it was going to be. So it kept being different things. Right. And it kept being, it. it kept being throwbacks to different things for no reason that didn't connect with all the other things that it was being throwbacks up yep. to. And it's like, man, come on, just pick a lane Settle. and yeah. and like go for it. And then because, you know, like tied together with that, because it couldn't pick, it couldn't do any of them as good as it should have. Because, you know, it should have it should have been more dramatic. It should have things should have been less obvious. Right. The characters should have kind of had more fun in certain yeah. points some of the uh you know the extra characters that you don't quite know who they are they could have had cool parts right, right. <laughs> and it was like well but we have eight things to do so how are we going to give that person more time and it's like yeah. well because that's the story you're telling right. well right. but you know and it just didn't it just didn't quite come together but still i gave it a seven and it's a lot of fun i would definitely recommend it to people right. But it just should have been yeah. so much better. In in a strange way, uh, I mean, I totally agree with the second. I mean, I don't disagree with anyone, but for me, the the other part for me that was big on it, outside of it, just not being very memorable and not very committed to doing anything with any urgency, um, was that it just it was flirting with so many things, and it yeah. was noticeably trying to do these these different avenues of things while still trying to maintain the murder mystery aspect of it. Right. This is a dumb thing, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it anyway. The other day I went through a drive through and I got a vanilla chai and they whipped the hell out of it. It was like 60% foam. That's what I, and I seriously had it. And I genuinely thought of this film because I was trying to remember what am I going to say about see how they run. It, it's not memorable enough. It was like all foam, which took up most of the space of my $5 drink. Right. You know, and the part that was good, the 40% was really, really good. But I just started thinking like, that's a dumb metaphor, but that is exactly what I think of with the film. I can't remember much, if anything, except how much fun it was that Saoirse Ronan and Sam Rockwell were together all the time and that they weren't together enough to make things happen. I remember him showing up late, hitting the car and the post and doing weird things. 
dude, we just saw this movie not even two weeks ago, and I don't remember hardly anything from it. <laughs> yeah. I wound up giving it a five and a half. You know, I thought it's a little bit more fun than your average film, but it's just sort of average in how many weird mistakes it makes, how weirdly it just doesn't commit to things. It's not a bad time at all, but it's terribly forgettable. Yeah. And just sort of like, well, I, I saw that. Okay, well, let's go do something else. Yeah. You and uh, and I, I really loved them together. They were great. I, I would like And really that. like the only parts of the movie that I really can remember like strongly yeah. right are uh them although they take up most of the movie right. but but still I can remember them together you know especially the scenes where they really kind of actually talk right and not just oh, yeah, right not just like yeah hey we're here doing right. the same things or whatever and uh you know they throw out these goofy puns actually yeah. accidentally and all yeah. that stuff but when they really actually get to a place where they talk yeah like those are great it's scenes great. you're like come great. on what is up and and then uh you know i i remember like the whole stupid fighting death right. and all that crap yeah and that was pretty cool but the thing that is the weirdest about this movie is that it's a murder mystery that really just doesn't want to be, right? It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, that's true. It gives you uh, very little <laughs> to invest in the actual right. mystery. Right. Like, and, you know, that easily could be completely on purpose, and you could make an know. argument that it's you know, about the characters and right. learning about them and not necessarily all that much about who killed who because who cares. Right. But by the time you get like an hour into this movie and then something happens and it's like, that's a clue. And you're like, well, I mean, who cares if that's right. a clue, right? It, it, <laughs> no, that's a hell of a point, man, because at least in Bodies, 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 okay, a film that neither of us were really wild about, I definitely spent time, at least while I was, I'm like, I'm here, I'm watching it, right? trying to figure out who was who. And you're like, okay, what did and, happen, and, right? And that was at yeah. least a thread that was engaging throughout, even when I was irritated with it, even when I was bored with it, even when I was like, you're trying to be too tricky for yourself. Here, I don't think I really ever thought of it beyond a moment where I had to think about it. And right. then in the background, when you're seeing other characters doing things, I'm like, well... Okay. No, that's right, a that's right. that's actually a great point that I forgot even to bring up at all. Like I didn't care who did it. Right. It didn't even seem to care that I didn't care. And I think that's a big problem too. I mean, it sounds like this is a trash bag of a film. The characters, the, the all the actors are doing well in it and it's just so lackadaisical and uninterested in doing anything committed. I don't even know if this would be a better film if they had shifted up or down like it's pg-13 right so maybe if it was r i mean not just for nudity or violence but just maybe that would have motivated them in one way or maybe go slapstick if you go to pg right like but really the kiss of death was that they didn't know what they wanted to do right god that's a great point i never really cared about who did it no and even now knowing no the end, i still don't no care. and it's like that's a murder mystery's worst thing really weird too in in this particular way that stuff unfolds because it's like agatha christie right it's uh, the most trap it, it's a it's an agatha christie story now we have the play Okay. Now we're going to make the play into a movie or whatever. Yeah. And at a certain point in the whole investigating nonsense, right? right. We all end up at Agatha Christie's house. <laughs> right. And it's like all of a sudden the movie goes, I mean, Agatha Christie will be in, so who cares what else <laughs> right. happens? Like, it's yeah. just about the fact that we're at Agatha Christie's house. Yeah. Then here's Agatha Christie. Yeah. And now it's like all bets are off. We don't right. care who did it anymore. Right. We don't care what's happening anymore. <laughs> yeah. Agatha Christie found a little bottle of rat poison, and that's all you need to know. Right. It doesn't matter right. if there's a story at all. Yeah. And you're like, what? what? What's happening? And then if, everyone's in this one room. The re yeah, And right. it's like, but look how cool this right. looks. See, we got you're them like, all together, well, like, I guess. All right. I'm not going to ruin it, because for me, it was the best part of the film. And if the audience sees it, maybe it'll be the best part for them, too. But my favorite part of the film that probably earned three stars all by itself is when Agatha Christie picks up a shovel. And just <laughs> right. like the, there's right. there's like seven seconds that I, I that's the time I laughed at the movie. Like I, right. this is, I'm all in. Right. If it had been that film, oh man, right. this would have been so and, high for me. And the cool thing before, 
before we move on to something else, because uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not like we talking this to death or anything. No, but, but but the cool thing about the movie is almost the thing that the movie forces you to pay attention to the least, right? And it it's the oddest kind of thing, right? But we saw this with my daughter, right? Yeah. And after we saw it, so I'm asking her what she thought, and she thought it was awesome that the movie told you exactly how it was going to end right. really early in the movie yeah. and then let you watch it end exactly that way and it kind of like built up the suspense you know for her, for her yeah. right to be able to watch it and go how is this all going to come together exactly the way that it told you it was going to really early on right and so she loved that yeah that's cool aspect of the movie right and i'm like you know that actually is a great part yeah the movie just let that fall flat, <laughs> right. though. It really right? did. It had that whole thing set up. It was almost <laughs> like they were going to take that out. Yeah. And they were like, but we've already got it all. Right. Right. Like, right. we filmed all that first. Yeah. And, and right. then as the production went on, they were like, ah, maybe that's too corny or whatever. Like, he has right. to, like, he, like, when he's doing that scene where he sells, trying to sell it to the producers, people, yeah. and whatever. And then they were like, oh, that's great. And then like some actual producers came in and went, is it that great though? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, because that actually is like a cool idea, yeah. right? A, a cool way of having stuff play out. And they just didn't quite like really nail it because you have to care who did it. Right. Right. <laughs> and they totally abandoned the whole caring that this is a mystery in the first right. place we're like we're like too involved in the characters and uh you know all these parts like where uh Saoirse Ronan has to catch him at the bar and all that which yeah. is fine yeah right but it's it's a lot of the movie right. stuff like that right. right it's too much of yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like i mean are we investigating right. something here or are <laughs> right. we, we not just, yeah like the whole movie is trying to embody his persona yeah. of like as an investigator not especially caring and right. you know whatever i don't know anyway but that is a really cool thing that the film has going for it it's just that it's kind of it's kind of wasted really yeah it's kind of scattershot and it if it hadn't been you know, I don't know if it would have been nine territory, but it might have gotten pretty close. Like, because it has all the components there to be that yeah, effective. Yeah, I, I think if somebody else was running this movie, yeah. uh, we might have had a different. Right. We might have uh, had a different wing. final product. Right? Yeah, anyway. I agree. Uh, all right, so um, but seriously, it's uh, definitely worth checking out. You got to see, yeah. it. and it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and um, I think a lot of people will have more fun with it than we did. But, sure. but people are not seeing it. And I wasn't going in with too high of an expectation either. I just wanted, I mean, I'll see anything with Sam Rockwell in it. And I'll see right, anything right. with Saoirse Ronan in right. it. They're great. I just wish it had been that. Yeah. Yeah. It just, uh, it, sh it should have been more. It does, I think this movie really kind of solidifies, um, I think this and probably uh, Don't Worry Darling put together. Yeah really kind of showcases what a weird place we are in theaters too. Yeah. Because I agree. uh neither one of them did much at the box, at the office, box office because they were competing at least partially with things that are horror movies yeah. and Smile ended up getting something like 30 million yeah. this week. Yeah. And that was the top spot. Yeah. And everything below that like from numbers uh, you know, two to about seven were all, you know, plus or minus a million right. from Avatar coming back to theaters. Right. They were, I mean, they're all right in the <laughs> neck and neck with, they're all within like a million dollars of each other. Yeah. I think, I think like number two is about, you know, six and a half or right. whatever. Yeah. And Avatar got like five. Right. And everything else is like right there. And it's like, you know, the horror movie gets something. <laughs> but you've got this movie and, uh, you know, Don't Worry Darling is not uh, crowded with 
stars or anything. Right. But still, you got two movies that you would expect to make more money. Yeah. Uh, this movie, see how they run, has all kinds of names. Oh yeah, uh, involved and familiar in it. faces. If and you don't like, know their names, and it couldn't get and it couldn't get there. couldn't get yeah. people into theaters. Man, right I, now, it's like the people who are going to theaters. Yeah, and and I think right now too, like a lot of people are just waiting. Like you know, we yeah. keep saying this. I do too. We say this all the time, and it's weird because uh, nobody else brings it up, but. Uh, you know, your average person sees like yeah. six, seven movies a year, right? And and when you have like this huge window where there's nothing too big, right? And you're waiting for like Black Adam, or you're waiting right. for maybe even Amsterdam because right. that's got a bunch of names too, you know, whatever. Yeah. But right now we are still just not in the area of theaters where people are. There are enough people who are going to find something this week. Right. And, you know, I mean, even even for Smile, Smile should have had 30 million. Yeah. Anyway, right? right? But right. there should have been something that had 50 million that right. was first. Right. <laughs> and how much, uh, how much fun is it that we're living in the world where every year or two, <laughs> Kevin Feige and James Cameron get into these little matches where they're like, well, I'm just going to release Avatar again. He's like, fine, I'll put a Infinity War back in the theater. Right. Like, we'll see who gets outnumbering one another. I mean, yeah, what, I know you can argue that obviously that? Avatar 2 is on its way, and it, it certainly seems to be, but I mean, what is this thing? You know, everyone must just be like, friggin' Cameron. I don't know, man. Just theaters are... That's are, weird. Theaters are having trouble, and, you know, we're getting into the end of the year and the stuff that's supposed to win awards and yeah. waiting for releases and who and knows past what's the point, gonna happen. And and interestingly, I mean we're almost past the point because I remember seeing something where most people see their films in the summer because of the summer blockbusters. Then they see at least one around Halloween because that's when the horror bump hits. Right. And then they might see one Oscar film, but they don't go to the theaters for the Oscar films the way they do in the summer. If you're looking at that old metric, which who knows what is a metric anymore, right. you have to assume you're like, well, we're past all of that. We can't get anybody now, so what do we do? And you know, there's just uh, there's just too much stuff and there's so on much. streaming. There's so there's much. There's just stuff, too so. much stuff without so, having to go anyway. to theaters. Anyway, yeah, it's weird. All right, so uh, fairly quickly we'll hit Blonde, and uh, then we'll get to Don't Worry, Darling. So. Blonde on uh, Netflix and uh, right. Anna de Armas is Marilyn Monroe and, uh, you know, some other people are in it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some others in there. Uh, anyway, so this, so the movie, the main attention that I've been seeing really recently yeah. is uh, because of this whole backlash from the abortion thing and whatever. Um, and I, I gotta say the movie actually looks really cool until you watch it for a little while yeah. and then it looks really weird. And then suddenly it looks like, I, I mean, you mean like Anna maybe herself, it's, maybe it's just me, but I had a really weird reaction to this movie. I Tell thought. me, this is interesting. Uh, I- so it looks really cool because, um, it looks it looks like it was made when she was alive. Yeah. It has like a film production, you know, quality to it where, you know, you just, and then sometimes it looks a little like we're trying to use every lens in our box or something. Oh yeah. Because it's, sure. like, it's got every different does, thing going it, yeah. on. Um, but it looks really cool. I thought, and then you watch it for a while and then all of a sudden it like looks stalkery. Yeah. It, it yeah. look it looks a little bit like somebody is too obsessed with Marilyn Monroe and and then it's weird right <laughs> and and then when you get to that point then the really weird stuff starts happening because yeah. then the movie gets i think anyway really weird and normally i don't care about whether or not i've read the book of a movie yeah and I don't, you, you know, necessarily bother to mention it or whatever. Um, but this is based on fictionalization this of her a, life from uh, Joyce Carol right? Oates. Yeah. Yep. And um, 
and I, I don't know anything about that book. I know, I, a, I know, I know that. that that book is like a fictionalization of her life. Right. And I don't know if this movie is really close to that book yeah. or is also just like another jump off to more fictionalized right. or, or how, what the connection is there. And I mean, I don't care, but right, I yeah. don't know. But, but so don't know. going into, to, into the review, this movie for me, after I, you know, for like the first half hour, I kind of liked it, except uh, the only thing I didn't like about it in the beginning was her kind of over dramatic response to everything that happened. Right. And I mean, it's not happy things happening or whatever. You don't mean her as a kid, but you not mean as, as a, not as a really she was little Marilyn. kid. No, when she yeah. was married. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. But at that point I was like, you know, so this is not like a biography right. where we're trying to say, this is exactly how she was. This is like a fictionalization. And the movie didn't get too far before I was like going, look, if that's how she really was, right. lie. <clears throat> right. And if that's not how she really was, why are you right, doing making that. this seem like it was? Because yeah. she was uh, in the movie, right? She was a bit non-human, right? She was like, yeah, everything was over the top and and it just was odd feeling right anyway but for like the first half hour i kind of liked the movie um and i thought anna darmus the whole time i think she was great she was uh as an actress right she was doing exactly what she was supposed to be doing right and and doing it well and i don't think you can really fault her for whatever because she was doing what she was supposed to do and yeah that's the actress's job right and, and yeah um but then the whole thing got really creepy really fast. Yeah. And then hmm. I and then pretty quickly I really hated the movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because because then the movie was the movie was like this, right? Uh it, for the really quick summary of my thoughts of the movie. The movie was like here's a story about this woman who basically was just super exploited for her whole life, right? Right? Now, hold on because we can continue that. Right. <laughs> Right. And we'll make this like horrible, bonkers, exploitive thing about her life and uh, continue the trend. Right. And it was like, what the, what am I watching? What, what is the point of doing this? I don't know. So, uh, so anyway, like I said, I, I very quickly hated the movie. Uh, the part that is the backlash with the whole abortion and she's like talking to the yeah. fetus. Is uh, is frankly just kind of a disgusting thing to have in a movie. I think it it it's really weird, and I can't imagine the the mindset behind thinking that's a right. idea. If you found a diary of Marilyn Monroe and it said, "I had this experience," right? This was like going through my head. Yeah. I was like imagining my fetus talking to me. Right. Then, all right, fine. You can and have you that. In, you can it. have that like, in your movie. How because, do we film this? Because this then impossible. it's like exactly what she said, right? Right. But barring that, there is like no excuse yeah. for having that bonkers. And it comes up more than thing. once, right? It's so weird. Anyway, um, I give it a one. It, it's yeah. uh, it's just uh, it's just really weirdly horrible. And like I said, it was uh, every. Every bad thing that happened to her in her life, it was like, let's make it worse and let's like make it more, uh, let's make this itself an exploitation of her. Yeah. You know, it was, I don't know, it was odd and weird and creepy. I, uh, it's almost three hours. It, yeah, that, it it's an, it's an insanely, long. it's an insanely long movie. It's 168 minutes, I think. I mean, it's, it's basically like 10 minutes under three hours. Right. Um. Yeah. Wow. Uh. There's. I had a. I'll try to run through a bunch of little things. It, it, when when I saw it, I was a. I wasn't even quite halfway through, which is like normal films. Like that's like watching see how they run twice. Okay. Right, right. I remember you. I remember something specific though. I can't quote you. That's so. That's the idiocy of what I'm about to say. Like I remember when we did the Disaster Artist with James Franco and the Tommy Wiseau film. Yeah. I remember you hated that 
so much because at one point you're like, you're just, you're picking on somebody with a mental illness. Right. Like you're really, you're really going for this in a way that you think is fun. And it just makes me want to punch you like repeatedly because it's not okay to do that. Right. There's a similar avenue here yeah. that I didn't necessarily feel then, but I got it now. You know, I'm watching that. I definitely, I was, I almost texted you. I'm like, Jesus, this is the disaster artist for me. There's something, there's something about, and I'm going to forget his name. I know it was Andrew is his first name. Um, the director who wrote and directed this. Um, he said, I, I wrote this down because it mattered something in the way I was thinking about the film. Uh, I stumbled on this by accident too. I didn't go looking for it. He was challenged in an interview by someone who knows Marilyn Monroe's life very well. Not like a personal friend, but like a reporter who's read tons of things, knows everything about it, and just confronted him and said, Marilyn wasn't like this. You know, so why do you do these things? You know, and she did a number of great things, some of which I remembered, but you know, she had uh, she had advocated for civil rights publicly. She was against anti-communist witch hunts. She started her own production company. She pet a few dogs. She kissed a baby. You know, she was right, right. she was a multifaceted human being that was very faulted in very specific ways. She asked him why good things weren't mentioned, and he said that stuff isn't really what the film's about. It's about a person who's going to be killing themselves. And if you look at the Instagram version of her life, she's got it all. And she killed herself. Now, to me, that's the most important thing. It's not the rest. It's not her moments of strength. And I thought, there you go. Right. Now I understand. I know this guy hasn't, I mean, it's probably going to happen someday. I don't know if he'll be in charge of it. But if he directs the Kurt Cobain film, I know exactly what it's going to look like. It's going to be drugs, abuse, sadness, melancholy, and then a shotgun. Right. There's an awful lot of weird stuff that happens in this film when I was watching it. Um, I found it to be almost entirely stunning to look at. Like, it's so beautiful looking. And I don't know if he gets the credit for that or that's just the cinematographer because I don't know how heavy he was on the film. But it's incredible to look at. It's almost like somebody played the telephone game and at the end... You know, you tell everybody the, these are all the things that somebody did in their life, but as the game gets passed from one person to the next, all they remember are the traumatic things. Right. And in the end, what you have is basically just like, I guess technically it's lethal in the end because we all know she killed herself, but it feels like a snuff film. There's no moment here in the film that seems uplifting except when there are small flickers that Diarmis has as Marilyn, and then you see that the situation or the men around her stomp it out. She's really just like a vestibule and a receptacle for whatever misogyny is in that time. And this is Mad Men era, so, and pre-Mad Men era too, in a way. I get that she had it hard and that studios were not me too friendly. But it's almost like the director in some way is trying to be coy in a message that he's trying to deliver using the audience as a vehicle too. I think he really wants us to admit we did this to her. And I think he wants us to have some sort of culpability for this, but he's not talented enough to produce something that is any better, better than mother to me right, in that right. avenue. In the right hands, I think you could take Marilyn as, or Norma Jean, and wrestle with the idea of the duality of who she is and who she wants to be. There's a great scene with, and it's funny that the film doesn't really say names it just says like ex-athlete right, you know and right. bobby cannaval is you know he's supposed to be joe dimaggio anybody that knows anything knows she was married to him and arthur miller and you know there's a moment where they're having dinner they're basically just meeting each other and she's talking about what she wants to do and she sees this thing in his eyes where he's totally disengaged from what she wants to settle down and do these other things so she just comes up with you know i just want to keep acting too you know and he kind of steps back up again because you see the subtlety that isn't there in the film, but that I bring to it is he's not interested in Norma. He's only interested in Marilyn because she is a commodity. And she says it numerous times throughout the film when she sees Kennedy, you know, and <clears throat> she's delivered. She's like, am I like a piece of meat? Am I just room service? Yeah. Yeah, you are. And in better hands, that would have been more subtly dealt. I, I guess the last thing, because I know we were going to talk about other things, and I feel like I could probably do an hour just on how much I hated this film. Oh, yeah, I haven't said anything. I, I gave it a two. Oh, yeah. um, I gave it a two <clears throat> only because of the look of the film. 
and honest, absolutely worthwhile work on the film, which sometimes would be, I think it's easily to overlook plain Marilyn Monroe. You have to do that doe-eyed, innocent look, right. and you have to breathlessly say everything. Like, you're out of breath coming up five flights of stairs, and you just want to be like, how was your day? Right. You know, and it's just, it's a caricature, but... In her hands, she's doing, and it doesn't work in every scene because I think he chose bad scenes to show, but she's busting her ass to do the best job here. And I think it shows the majority of the time. Sometimes it's frightening how much she looked like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And and I honestly thought, and there's there's some real clever stuff that he's doing, like when he's showing scenes with Lemon on one side and the Marilyn character on the other, and it's really Lemon you know, supposedly on the, but it's cut so that it's right, Anna right. and the other. There are scenes where he pulls in and zooms into her, and I swear it's Marilyn Monroe until we get closer. And then somewhere I missed the frame where it jumped and it became her. Right, right. It was her all along. Like it's just amazing what they can do. It just sucks that in so many ways, it's not even mature enough to be a hit piece. Right. It's just like this weird, gruesome fascination with her sexual assaults, her sexual identity how we can control her, and aren't you a piece of crap because you liked it? It puts all that on the audience, or at least I felt it was putting on me, and I went, you don't even know what you're doing here. Yeah. In so many, yeah, many and ways. I think you get as much of this movie, really, from like that quote of his. It's awful. And then also, you know, he has responded to the whole pro-abortion right. backlash, and basically he said something like, you know, there's only this backlash because the movie comes out right now. Because right Man, now, where we cheap. are in the world right. no. is, and he's like, if this was like five years ago or five years from now, no one would even pay attention to that stuff. And it's, it is really like such a, you know, in some sense, it seems like a fairly innocuous response, but yeah, but also it's such a response that's like, uh, you know, just such a bastard really yeah that you're like uh hey, you just don't get it because you're too right stupidly wrapped up in the times and what's happening yeah and that's <laughs> why you're looking at this in this way or whatever and it's and like i said the one of the things is that i don't know what's in the book right but it feels it's it, it it's like so much more compounded how stupid this thing is about the abortions and yeah. and how stupid it is to have that scene yeah uh when when that doesn't actually have any basis in reality right. anyway right i mean yeah. right. like the whole fact of having abortions has no basis in reality and so much of it is you watch stuff like that and then so, like, the thing for me is I don't know what Oates was trying to get out of her book, right? Yeah. And I don't know how fictionalized the book is, yeah. how much stuff is in the book that is just, like, she totally made this thing up right. because she was trying to make one point or another, or other things in the book that are kind of like, uh, you know, like when you get to, like, the whole Kennedys, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know... There's something with the Kennedys, but now we're going, well, I'm going to say this right. is what happened when there's no, there's no reality there. It, yeah. It's just what's made up. And then if you, if you're making stuff up like that, there needs to be some point to right. why you made that up and <laughs> how it relates to anything else. Exactly. Right. And whatever that point might have been, like I said, I don't know if the abortion stuff is even in the Oats book yeah. or if that's just now we're on like a second level of making stuff up. Right. But if it was, hopefully in the book, there's some point to it, but there's no point to it here. Right. right. And there's no point to so much that happens here, including the parts with, uh, I think, like almost everything that involves Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. There's no actual point to that, except, uh, you know, some of it is like, you know, you said this is basically like a snuff film, right? Yeah. Like there are parts with the Joe DiMaggio stuff where it's like, like, I just want to film this right. because That's... like I'm a creep, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. like, the, it, like a... it doesn't have anything to do with anything. You don't have yeah. to, you don't have to show things in the way that you do. You don't have to have uh, Joe DiMaggio be like such an asshole. You don't yeah. uh, like 
it's like, what is the point that you're trying to get out of this fictionalization when right. you're making up these things about relationships? And like I said, it's not like she has some diary or we have some reason right. to believe things happened in certain ways right. or whatever. And so if you're making this stuff up, it's got to go somewhere. Right. right. And wherever <laughs> it is that the people making this movie wanted it to go, right. it doesn't actually make any sense. His, and, and it it really becomes yeah. like, seriously, like this is how I'm going to exploit her now. Yeah, right. That's 100%. Like there's a there's a thing there, and the director and the writer is Andrew Dominic. I don't know why I forgot his last name, Dominic. You know, he absolutely just, I, I don't know him. I, I don't know. I know the only other film I know he's done was uh, The Assassination of Jesse James. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, and I, that's great. You know, I mean, there's something there that I either love or hate his films because I'm torn now. And he seems to be very, if you believe his, you know, his CV, like he seems to be very dialed into famous people and what happens to lead up to their dying. I, I, you know, there's something there. I'm not going to read too much into it, but I will say this. There was a very weird feeling. And if he meant to do it, you know, he succeeded where I'm watching things and I'm thinking, you know, I don't necessarily think Stanley Kubrick was an incredible monster because he made a clockwork orange the way he did. But I certainly think he was trying to be a filmmaker and showing certain scenes for the length of time that he did here where I'm watching just abuse and trauma get inflicted on her in the way that you're doing it. I could understand why if you showed me, but what you're showing me is you're just sort of like lustily enjoying this. Like there's a weird feeling of, you're misogynistic here, not you want me to wear misogyny for you because we, because Marilyn Monroe was easily, you know, right or wrong, you could argue the history of it. She was easily like one of the first sex symbols. Yeah. Okay. And I get that there's exploration there, but the way you're doing it, right. it's just so. Yeah. At clumsy. some point, it becomes like you're making this this way because you want to watch it. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> and, uh, from what I heard quick before we go to the, you know, from before we go to, um, darling, you know, I heard that uh, from from the woman who confronted him, and she just said, you know, Joyce Carol Oates' book had a lot of leeway. It was very fictionalized. There was there was some truth in there, but she went really elastic. This guy's film went elastically off of Joyce Carol Oates' book. Like he just right. had a lot of liberty. And she she said something in that interview that I'd forgotten about. She said Marilyn Monroe never finished it, but she started a biography with a reporter called my story and it doesn't have any of this crap in there. Right. You know, and one of the things that she's often defended Marilyn Monroe in her interviews as sort of a scholar of her, she just said a lot of people through pop culture believe that Marilyn Monroe had more to do with the Kennedys than she ever did. But we love that idea. So we explore it and we build it and we make it more. I guess she didn't like this film either. Right. Because <laughs> there's an awful lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I, I don't know. It's just, it's it's so weird to love the look of something and literally detest what it's showing you at the same time. Like, that's a right. very strange feeling to have. And I had it for almost three hours. And, and you know, this movie too, this will uh, kind of jump us in to see how they run. Because uh, one of the things about this movie that was a little weird because we had just watched See How They Run is that... Uh, the other thing that that it does, and like I said, there's like a first half hour that I was kind of okay with, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but other than that, everything this movie does is like it does it too much. It's like yeah, it it's like let's too. film this scene. Okay, that was great. Okay, let's do it again. Except, yeah. you know, we turn everything el- everything about it up to eleven, right? Yeah, like right. you act sadder, you right. be meaner. <laughs> Turn yeah. the lights up more. Like right. just everything just is go. like too much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I, I really hope that Anna Darmus gets way more work from this. Right. In in a way that anybody else might actually like get less work. Like, I mean, it's <laughs> right. not that, you know, she's young, she's in all these things, she's an attractive woman. That's not it. It's that she's talented. And right. I think in some strange way this proves it. Yeah. If you had any doubts, but all right, uh, so see how they run. Um, no, oh, don't, worry. Don't, don't, don't worry, darling. darling. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. Looking at the wrong spot. Yeah, that's uh, fine. Don't worry, darling. So this movie is um, uh, a bit weird if you watch the trailers. 
Yeah. Uh, because it's not sure how much it wants to tell you in yeah. the trailers. And it's not sure what it wants to say about anything. But uh, but basically, you've got um, it's Florence Pugh yep. and uh, Harry Styles. Yep. And... And it's basically the Stepford Wives kind of a theory, yeah. right? And it's um, Harry Styles works for this company that has built their own little, you know, community, community in yeah. the desert where, yeah. you know, they they throw up a big neighborhood of prefab homes yeah. so that you can be, so you can live close to, this giant whatever it is where all the husbands go to work. Yeah, the right? Victory Project. And we're in like the 50s, yep. you know, early 60s kind of a time. And uh, it is kind of funny because everyone's got like a different car because right. we want to show off yeah. like all sorts of different cars, right? right? Like nobody even... <laughs> and it's one thing... It That sounds weird because everybody does have a different car, right? right. But it's like... Everybody has a different car, and none of them are even close right. to each that's other, the, that, right? That's like, the thing. like if you watch other period things of the fifties, yeah. you know, right? Like, you know, eight out of ten they're cars like, are like fairly close right. to each other in how they look, yeah. and then there are other weirder cars, whatever. Yeah. But in this movie, uh, everyone in this neighborhood has a completely different car. Yeah. They're all a different color, right? <laughs> Right. Like everything is every different. It's like a, it's like some kind of pamphlet for the automobile industry right. in the fifties or something anyway. But, uh, so we're living like our little perfect life and we, you know, whatever, uh, in this created community and then clearly like things go wrong. And, and it's kind of weird because in the trailer, you'll see that part where she's like washing the window and then, the, and yep. then the window like kind of starts. All of a sudden, she's getting crushed against the wall, yep. and you're like, "What the hell?" Yep. Which I think is the last thing I would put in the trailer, right? <laughs> right. Because it makes no sense in the movie, right? And then it makes no sense in the trailer. It doesn't have anything to do with anything that's going on, right? But anyway, so uh, like as the movie unfolds, um, like Harry is sort of like moving up in the company. The company is run by this one guy who's like the guru of, the guy, yeah. of whatever of the Victory Project right. and uh, how they're making the world a better place and all this stuff. And they're doing some secret crap in the desert. Right. Who knows? <laughs> and weird stuff starts happening. Uh, like Florence Pugh starts having like weird memories or like flashes or dreams or whatever. And uh, and so you know it's just all this kind of like the standard if you just think about that idea the standard of you know what he would do what would happen to her such that things started to get weird and it seemed like hey something's not right here right. and then she also has the one uh friend who you know people starts saying things are off right you know and right. then everyone thinks she's crazy and like that and then right. you know hilarity ensues whatever yeah. anyway um and, you know, for a little while, there was actually a, a lot that I liked about this movie. And yeah. it, it was kind of the same thing. You know, like for the first half hour, like I never liked it a lot, right? It didn't, it couldn't quite hook me. And I think because in a weird way, it was so focused on Florence Pugh at the beginning. Yeah. And then also trying to make her so boring at the same time yeah. in a weird way. Right. It was almost like... uh you know, here's all this stuff we have to do, and she has to do it because she's this character. But you know, whatever. Right. Like it. Right. <laughs> like it didn't really. It was just like, look at these things, and it happens to be her, and whatever. And I'm like, why are you not like trying to get me into this a little more? Yeah. And then after a certain point, then it does. Then she, then her character has stuff it to do. Yeah. And she's, uh, you know trying to be interesting she's like investigating she's looking worried and yeah. you know stuff is happening and then you like get into it but at first it's really like a you know like a bad pilot of a series you <laughs> right. know where it's like we're just saying a bunch of crap so you know what's going on real fast right and then hopefully you'll stick around to watch 
yeah, right, whatever that we, happened yeah, or right, whatever. Yeah. And so it was, <laughs> it was it was a weird entry, but you know I didn't. It was doing pretty good, and then all of a sudden, man, it just like I would say it like drove off a cliff, except it didn't really start high up right right no yeah <laughs> right. I, yeah but then all of a sudden it was like everything was more stupid than the last thing and in this movie i think i even said this when we walked out just like in blonde everything that happened in this movie was too much yeah everything that happened in the movie was so over the top like everything right and i mean if she was worried about something she was worried about it like we all might die in 10 seconds yeah i mean there was there's right. no like <laughs> there's no like you know gradation of emotions in right. this movie or whatever right. it's like everything that happens uh whether it's just something's a little odd or right. why is that like that or whatever and you go huh that seems weird no there's no right. there's no that there's like oh my god right, right? right. except that she won't act like that kind of or whatever i don't know it was really weird and then uh and you know it's one of those things too where it's trying too hard for the ending it's trying too hard throughout the movie for the ending right because what this movie wants is for you to like basically suffer through the whole movie get to the ending and then go oh now it all makes sense Right. right like uh the way Harry Styles responds to her all the time, yeah, you're like, I mean, this is like people don't act like that. What is this? Like, this is not how this would happen, right? right. And then you get to the end and you go, oh, now it makes sense that he acted like that. No, I I want people <laughs> to act like humans that make sense the whole time. All you the can't time. give me the end thing because she still has to be there, right? Being me, going. How the hell is that your response, jackass? Right? I mean, because she doesn't get to. Yeah, I don't know. It. So anyway, um, so I give it a four, and I feel like I got that right. This is the this is the opposite of how this usually happens, right? Because normally, yeah, I would say like I give it a four, and I feel like I'm being pretty generous, right? Right? That's, I mean, nine times out of ten or whatever, I give this one a four and I feel like I'm being pretty harsh actually to not just go, come on, give it a five. Right. Right. But too bad. Right. Because, (laughs) because the last half hour of this movie is like just comic garbage. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, look, you have to, you have to suffer the consequences of that. Because there's a lot of the movie that actually is really pretty good. There's a lot of the movie that I don't know why it made it in the final cut, like right. that washing the window scene, right. right? Right. That is like the epitome of like a bonus feature, yeah. you know, cut scenes thing. Like we had an idea. We were like, <laughs> we can do this in like a half an hour. We'll do this scene. Yeah. And then, you know, like a couple of weeks go by and you friggin' drop that because it right. doesn't make, it doesn't any, make sense. any sense. Right. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't do anything except freak her out. Right. But it like freaks her out in a way that makes no sense, doesn't get her anything out of it, except the only thing it gets her is that when people go, I think you're crazy, she ought to go, well, yeah. Maybe I am crazy. There was this one moment. You know, it's like it's like counterproductive, actually, (laughs) because the only thing it gets her is stuff that should make her act different. And it doesn't. And it's just, you know, weird. But there's a lot of the stuff uh, where it's just her and and him and their uh, whatever that is actually pretty good. And some of the entry into her trying to find out what's going on is actually you know, not too bad. Yeah. But then, man, it just goes. I really might have, uh, I might have misjudged how hard you were talking about it when we walked out of the theater because I could swear you've softened on it and I've hardened on it, even though we <laughs> both get to four. Well, you know, maybe. I, I, I don't know if Olivia Wilde is going to be a good filmmaker or not. I do know that what she's doing now with this and with Booksmart, I'm not wild about. 
No, no pun intended. I'm, I'm just not crazy about what she's doing, but I, I think she's getting better because I like this more than I like Booksmart. One thing for sure that she just doesn't know how to do at all yet is action. Because there's a there's a big thing of action where cars are chasing each other and there's a whole lot of thing, right. and I found it to be Keystone like Cops laughable. It, cars are veering for no reason except look at me, I'm the yellow one. It, it, the angles are simple. It's just there's no excitement, there's no tension, there's no denouement, there's no anything there. So that's something to be uh, missed about. Strangely enough, I liked everybody in this. I like yeah. Chris Pine. I like Olivia Wilde. I think I think she definitely wanted to have the Alice character. She wanted to be Florence Pugh's character and wisely took a different role. I don't know if she would have been good in that role or not. She's really good as Bunny. Right. Like I, I found her to be great. I think she's a, a capable actress and sometimes a really great actress. I like Chris Pine a lot. Um, Florence Pugh is amazing. Harry Styles, for the most part, I thought did a really good job. There's one scene in there that makes him look bad, and it's the scene that you were just describing to a T, where they're like walking by and they're just giving you, you know, index cards, and they're like, "Today you're angry, right? Or right. you're confused. You're not sure what you're confused about, but that's good. Use that. You're like, right. you don't even know why you're confused. And then, like, kind of come as close to pantomiming it as possible. The scene where she gets taken by the redcoats, uh, the red, the red uniform people, and he's in the car screaming. Right. obscenities and i thought there's no reason in the world to believe this character feels this distraught when for at least 80 minutes i haven't seen you care enough about anything right. to this point it's because of that weirdly uneven narrative that characters not they're not doing what they wouldn't necessarily believe themselves to be doing based on earlier things it's just if the premise is just going to be wonky and you are going to try to do wonky creatively to get to the end where you can outwonk yourself. You got to do a lot better than this. Right. It in a lot of ways feels to me like the Stepford the Stepford wives should have just been left alone. They tried to remake it. They keep trying to remake it cuz it's an interesting touchstone of a story. You get hints of it in other stories as well. That's not my beef here. It's that she it, it felt like Olivia Wilde just really loved Inception and really loved Shutter Island and wanted to throw a little bit of the Truman Show in there and then call it like an art house baby. Right. We're a little bit over time. I'm not going to I'm not going to come up with too many more original things than comic garbage like you did. Okay, <laughs> but I will say this. In the end, this film was passable. It was okay to watch. It's too long. It's not as interesting as it thinks it is. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that I found I found like the tabloid stuff surrounding the film more interesting than this film. <laughs> like I, I care more about whether or not Harry Styles actually spit on Chris Pine or not. <laughs> I care about why Florence Pugh wouldn't do any press for it. Like there's, there's, and, and nobody knows these answers yet. I don't know if we ever will. There's a lot of backstory about this film in a way that sometimes films just don't get. And sometimes that causes a buzz to make people go see it. I, I didn't really care about this film. Yeah. And I didn't really find a whole lot of ways to care about it. And if I'm being honest, as far as the tabloid stuff go, which I'm not a tabloid kind of guy, I don't really care what Kardashian is doing, what to whom. I still thought that the backstory of like, why was this such a disaster shoot? Why isn't anyone doing this? Why is everybody being so hyper-professional and not just letting something slip? Could this have been even more of a dumpster fire if Shia LaBeouf had been in the film like he was supposed to be instead of Harry Styles? What happened? And I think your film is in a lot of trouble, seriously, if I give a hundred shits more about the backstory than I do what you did as a finished product. Right. And that's where I'm at. And I think, too, uh, like that scene you're talking about uh, when they come and, and Styles, take her, yeah. right? That, that scene, I think, is... Uh, you know, a good showcase of everything that's wrong, wrong with the movie. With yeah. Because like you said, it doesn't make sense that he acts that way. Right. Right. Because nothing about what we've seen makes it seem like he would act that way. Right. right? And, and, and plus he did it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing to overlook. And, but then when yeah. you get to the end of the movie right. and you're supposed to go, oh, this is why blah, blah, blah. It's that still it doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense. sense. Yeah. It makes less sense. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's, and, and all of the movie happens that way. There's this one scene that I 
almost kind of liked, but it couldn't get me anywhere. You know, like I said, there's the forward watching of the movie, and right. then there's the backward watching when right. you know the end and everything. But that scene where he starts dancing, yes, and he gets a thing. I almost really it's liked so that scene, right? Yep. And I really liked Harry Styles, right? Yep. And it was the thing that was weird about it, right, for me was I thought Harry Styles was doing a really great job yeah. filming that scene. And Chris Pine was doing a really good job filming that scene. Yep. But they were in different scenes. 100%. That's what I was going <laughs> to They were yes. doing completely different scenes, yeah. talking about different things. Yep having a different theme going on. And I thought he was really good. That's a great I thought Harry Styles was really good. But then you get to the part where you're watching the movie backwards, and now that scene doesn't, doesn't make any make sense any anymore. sense, because then you're looking he at it. He wouldn't do that. Not Why at all. would he do that? Right. None of, right. none of that has any connection to anything right. now. Now it all yep. you know, falls apart. And it's again, all the, like a house of cards we're building. Right. Because we think we're going to do something clever yeah. at the end, right? Except that we don't like we film the end and then okay, now watch the movie. Right. <laughs> now that you know the right. end, now right. you watch the movie yeah. and and tell me you still like how right. that works out. It and it doesn't. People all, all. want to be memento, and you're, it's a lot harder than <laughs> right. it looks to, to make it because because that's a great point with a film like this. You absolutely have to walk it back. And if it doesn't make sense, you're like, whoa, whoa, what? Right. Well, how did that get there? Man. But it has like... Uh, that's a great scene to talk about. It yeah. does have some stuff that's fun in it. Like all the parts where Olivia Wilde is actually in the movie are really cool. She's good. But yeah, it's, so, it's so style over substance. Yeah. Because everything I think looks really cool. We have this, uh, this theory of the style of what we're going to film yep. that we like. And, it, and that worked. And right. it looks cool cool yeah. right but man just all of the substance I still you can't you can't actually have either movie right yeah. like the watching it forward movie doesn't work and the watching right. it backward movie doesn't right. work either I, it, it, look i'm all done after this i swear florence Pugh's great she elevates every single scene she's in even in the scenes i don't agree with at all she's that solid in the film obviously uh i still well, i mean not obviously to everybody i, I haven't seen midsummer yet still like, oh, and I know you on. hate it. And Florence Pugh was in it. And I understand that Olivia Wilde actually chose her for Alice after seeing her in Midsummer. Every once in a while, I bring these things up. I hated it so much. I had to remember to mention it. The music in this film sucks so much. Yeah. It's it's what I think the soundtrack to Midsummer is supposed to be. <laughs> with a lot of, and it reminds me of Men, the film we just saw, where they're trying to make this horror noise with people's voices, like. Right. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, God, kill me, shoot me, get me out of this. That's so bad. My favorite part of the film is the first 18 to 20 minutes when it was all weird 50s setup. The coffee's being poured. The the wives come out all in right, different right. states of attire to kiss their husbands goodbye, who all drive off in Tim Burton colored cars and duo. <laughs> I loved that, and I right. thought, man, hang on, maybe maybe Booksmart was an anomaly. Maybe right. now she's got it. Right. I don't get it. Not. I don't so get much. it. So. Anyway. All right. Well, uh, okay. That's it for uh, today. And we went yeah. a little over, but next week uh, we will be Amsterdam. doing Amsterdam. At yeah. least. So thanks for tuning in. Tell all your friends yeah. and uh, convince them to listen to us as yeah. well. Like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Hey listeners on behalf of myself and Shane Leonard, we want to thank you for tuning in once again. The Are You Screening podcast is brought to you by areyouscreening.com and a lot of wonderful people who help us out. Surf over to areyouscreening.podbean.com or areyouscreening.com to find out how you can become one of them. All music used in our podcast is courtesy Andrew Lord. Once again, please, please, please subscribe, rate us on iTunes, review us on iTunes, and otherwise trick your friends into listening to us. Good night.